Grab your Bibles and quickly turn with me to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. These past few weeks, we have talked about our next decade together as a church. And we walked the path of the wise, of epiphany, of the aha moments from the story of the wise men, the things they did to see what only the wise get to see because they did what only the wise choose to do. And I've been thinking a lot about what does our next decade look like. If you were with us at the previous hour, we gave you some snapshots of where we've come from and the things we are doing and where we pray God is leading us. But before we can step into tomorrow, we need to consider a biblical principle that many people fail to acknowledge. And as a result, they never get going forward because they fail to capture and live out this principle that I want us to look at this morning. And here's how I want to begin it. Show of hands, how many of you have ever played on one of these before? Any of you ever play on a swing set before? Oh man, for Christmas, my wife and I decided to uh, finally get our kids a swing set. We had one in Nashville and, and we couldn't bring it with us for obvious reason and we moved here and so we finally got one. Christmas came, uh, it was delivered a week in advance. By the way, do you know how hard it is to keep something like a swing set a secret from your kids for a week? So we just said, oh, it's it's wet outside. Oh, it rained like it sprinkled. We're like, oh, you can't go outside for the next week. It's just way too muddy. I'm so sorry. And the Saturday before Christmas, Lindsay takes the kids off site because they need to get out of the house. And a buddy of mine, Evan, comes over and we spent, what, four, five, 10, 20, I don't know how many hours trying to build this thing. And this isn't ours, but but we built one and just, oh, so excited. And I remember Christmas morning, we do the gifts, and then there's that moment. Of course, parents, I mean, we care more than the kids half the time, don't we? And so the last gift, we're like, oh, wait, there's just one more, but you need shoes for this gift. And so it had been raining, it was cold, they threw their shoes on, they ran outside, they're like, yay, yay! They played on it for two minutes, our daughter slid down the slide, pants completely wet, and they're like, yeah, we're gone, and they're back inside. But it was an epic two minutes for us. And I was thinking about this. There's something about swing sets that are so joyful and simple, aren't they? Now, now, I'm not a smart guy, and most of you already know that by now. If you don't, stick around another couple weeks and you'll figure it out. But even I understand the simple mechanics of a swing set. It's very simple, right? A, A swing set has just a few steps. You sit down in the swing, or if you're really gutsy, you stand in the swing, right? And you're under the age of 30. But you sit in the swing, and then... To go forward, you do not simply lean forward, do you? I mean, you can try, but you're just going to look kind of foolish. No, no, no. What do you do first? You lean back to go forward. You go back to go forward. You go back. Everyone say it with me. Go forward. You go to go. And you just keep doing this. And the more you go back, the more you can go forward, correct? In fact, the harder you push back, the greater the distance, the greater the speed, the greater the height, the greater the momentum going forward. In fact, when I was about seven years old, we were at my grandmother's house and there was a park not too far from it. We went up and we were playing on the swing set and there was this kid, he was a big kid, he was nine years old. 
to seven-year-old, he was massive, and he's on the swing, he's swinging, and he's doing jumps and flips, and he's going off backwards, and all these things, we're like, wow, and we said, that's amazing, and he looked at us, he goes, when you're born with it, you just learn to accept it. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, but, but simple mechanics, you lean back, you go back to go forward. Now, this principle is true regardless of life. In fact, in the 1960s, the Green Bay Packers learned this principle that you've got to, put this on screen, you've got to go back to go forward. They learned it when this coach, Vince Lombardi, showed up. The Packers had been in a losing streak, but he shows up and he led them to five NFL championships, two Super Bowl championships in a nine-year period. And you say, how did he do this? Did he give them some new and improved strategy? Was it, hey, we'll try this different. We'll do... No, 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 no. He shows up and he holds out the ball. And what does he say? Gentlemen, this is a football. Some of you know the quote. In other words, it's not about leaning harder and trying something new. It's rather we've got to go back to basics. We've got to go back to the beginning point. We've got to go back to where it all began. This is also true when it comes to your marriages. If you're in a point where you feel stalled out in your marriage, you need to go back to what prompted the romance to begin with. You cannot expect to go forward if you quit doing the things that you did at first. You've got to go back. This is true when it comes to business. A company that is built on customer service cannot last long or go forward very fast if they stop doing what they did to get where they are. You've got to go back to go forward. This is true when it comes to your health, isn't it? You cannot ignore what you know about health, exercise, and sleep for very long. You cannot ignore going back to those things if you want to go forward. This is true when it comes to your personal jobs and promotions, If you are stalled out in your work, go back to what you did to get the current promotion. You've got to go back to go forward, back to go forward. And what is true in life is also true in church. There are many churches that are intent on going forward and they're excited about the future and they talk about their dreams, they've got their org charts, they've got their vision statement, they've got their mission statement, they're going, this is what we're going to do and it's going to be amazing and they often are so focused on going forward, they're like little kids leaning but going nowhere because they forget the one who came and brought them to the point where they are. We must never forget to go back to what brought us here, church. We must never forget the one who brought us here. And here's the reality. If we do not go back, we will not go forward. And this is what one church in the book of Revelation learned. Revelation is a book or a letter or a story captured for us, and it's really a letter from Jesus Christ to the churches of the first century. And he speaks in chapters 2 and 3 to seven different churches. And he gives them sort of his critique and their, his blessing. And there's one church in chapter 2 that he speaks to that I think speaks to us today. This is what it says. Write this letter. Jesus is talking to a man named John. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Can't get into all the symbolism, but he's talking to this church in the city of Ephesus. He says this, this is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. 
The one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Can't break this down, but this is Jesus talking. We will go through Revelation in the future and we'll explain all the symbolism. But all you need to know, the letter is addressed to Ephesus from Jesus. He says this, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work. And notice, he's about to praise them. By the way, if Jesus were to write a letter to Clear Creek, what would he say to us? He says, I see your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered. Man, some of us have suffered, but patiently? Wow. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. Now, this is the rock star church of the first century. This is the church that all the other churches say, man, how do they do their ministry? How is it that they organize? Man, we want their their leaders to come speak at our conventions. Man, we want them to teach us what we need to do so we can experience what they've experienced. You say, well, what have they experienced? Well, Jesus has listed a lot of it already. But notice this, the church in Ephesus. Next slide. Number one, they're working hard. They're a great, hardworking church. Number two, they don't give up. They just keep pushing through. Number three, they don't tolerate sin. They, they, they're very much like, hey, we know what's right and we will not do the things that are wrong. They also know the truth, meaning they know their Bibles. They know doctrine. They're not ignorant and just nice people. But it's more than just these things that Jesus says. In fact, if you go back in the pages of Scripture, we know some other things about the church in Ephesus. They were led by amazing leaders. They had tremendous leadership because here's what we know. The church was started by a man named Paul. He was a superstar in the Christian world. He loved God and he went out as a missionary. He then, when he left, sent his protege, Timothy, to help establish churches throughout the city of Ephesus. Oh, and not just Timothy was there, but John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, ended up going to Ephesus and being like the leader of the churches there in Ephesus. Not only was John there, but do you remember at Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus is on the cross, at the foot of the cross is mother, Jesus' mama, and John, and Jesus says to John, take care of my mama. So most people believe, and we have some records indicating that John not only went to Ephesus, but he took Jesus' own mama to be part of the church in Ephesus. So listen, get it this way. Ladies, at our church, we may use videos of Beth Moore for our women's ministry. But in Ephesus, Jesus' own mama was the women's minister, That's a great church. You had leaders who knew Jesus, walked with Jesus, who were the leaders. And not only that, they witnessed incredible miracles. In fact, the handkerchiefs that touched Paul could be touched on sick people and they'd be well. And then finally, the whole city was being turned upside down. It was changing. Acts chapter 19, we're told that the silversmiths who made little idols were going out of business because the church had converted so many people, there was no one to purchase the idols. Now, if you and I looked at this, we'd go, man, that's a rock star church. They're going places. We we want to be like them. In fact, now, you you need to know that much of what we focus on as a church is built out of what we see from the early church. We are for our city because the first church was. 
We are for the next generation of believers being reproducing, multiplying so more people know Jesus because the first church was. We are for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because the first church was. But notice this, even though all of this is going bonkers, notice the next thing Jesus says. But, but I have this complaint against you. But that one little word undoes everything that comes before it, doesn't it? Have you ever had someone use that word in a sentence on you before? Uh, Maybe it's gone something like this. Your boss walks into your office. We've sure enjoyed having you and all the work you've done these past few years. But we're going to have to let you go. Translated, my years don't matter to you, do they? Uh, Or some of us, you've had the coach, you've gone through tryouts. The coach says, you have done such a good job. I love your hustle, but you don't make the cut. Or maybe you've had that wonderful phone call, or maybe it's a letter, or maybe in our day and age, it's just a text or an Instagram message that says, I've enjoyed dating you these last few months, but I found someone else. But, see, all the things the church was doing, and Jesus still says, look, you have so much going for you, but I have this complaint against you. Hey, church, what is the thing that Jesus would say he has against this church? What is that thing that is so big that if they don't have it, then they got nothing, that they are stalled out in the seat? Here's what he says. You don't Love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Man, you've got so much going for you. You've got the vision. You've got the plans. You're committed. But you have forgotten your first love. And you think, because I've got all this stuff going for me, I'm moving forward, I'm making momentum, things are going. He says, you have fallen and you don't even know it. He then says this little phrase, go next slide, turn back to me. Translated, go back. Translated, go back. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't Repent. Repent is just this big church word that simply means to turn around, meaning stop going the way you've been going. Go back. Go back. Turn back to me. Do the works you did at first, because if you don't, I'll come, I'll remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. See, here's the biblical principle. We cannot move forward unless we continue to move back. We cannot continue to grow as a church to move in the direction God is calling us if we forget our first love, if we don't go back. You can't move forward in your marriage unless you continue to move back into the things that drew you together. You cannot move forward with your influence unless you go back to those things that gave you the influence to begin with. We have to go back before we can go forward. And it's just this, this simple thing. You just kind of go back and forward. You go back and you go forward. And he says, do the things you did at first. You say, okay, okay, so what were those things? What were those things to go back into? Real quick, Acts 19, you get three things. Verse 17 tells us, 
the church, after all this stuff was happening, the name of the Lord Jesus, notice this, was greatly honored, meaning when the church got together, it was a celebration of Jesus Christ. He is their message. He is their Messiah. He is the one they praise, the one they celebrate. They cannot get enough of him. You would never see them gathering and kind of going, you are my all in all. This is all to them. He's not some afterthought. He's their first thought. They lean back. They go back to Jesus. He was greatly honored. And second, notice this, many who became believers, they confessed their sinful practices, meaning they, they, they said, look, that's not who I am. I'm not that kind of guy anymore. I'm not that kind of girl anymore. This is what I was, but I am not that way anymore. I've often thought that the church should begin every service like an AA meeting. I get up here. Hi, my name is Josh. And then everyone says... Hi, Josh. Oh, some of us have been to one of these. Okay, so, so I'm Josh. Hi, Josh. And then the follow-up is, I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm addicted to myself. I want what I want more than I want for others. I, I think more of my things than what God would have for me. This is the thing that I struggle with, and I often wonder if we don't see healing because we don't confess to the brokenness, that we don't go back, we don't trust that he is true, but we also don't trust his word, that if we will simply go back to what it says, that we can move forward in life. Some of us are stuck because we have not done this, and I think, church, you need to know your preacher is a sinner, Jesus found me when I was lost. And he is the good shepherd that when I choose my own way, he lovingly pushes me back in the paths of righteousness. Psalm 23, 3 says that he brings me along. And you need to know that I am saved because of Jesus Christ and we can never get over what he has done. Can I get an amen from anyone on that? Boy, they honored Jesus. They confessed And they didn't just confess with their mouths. Notice the next verse. They confessed with their lives because a number of them who had been practicing sorcery. By the way, don't you just love that the church from day one has always been and only been for people who need Jesus? If you're here, you don't think you need Jesus, you're in the wrong place. The church is for people who need Jesus. And so there were sorcerers in the first church. They brought their incantation books, and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. In other words, they put their money where their mouth was. They said, this is not who I am anymore. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. I will always go back to him, my confidence in him. I will lean into him to move forward. Here's the thing. Our next 10 years will be marked by how much we lean back into Jesus. And we will only go as far forward as we lean back into him. Church, if you've lost your joy, you need to lean back into praise. Church, if you have lost your purpose, you need to go back to the fact that you were created in the image of God as an image bearer for the purpose of worshiping God and loving him and knowing him deeply. 
Friend, if, if you feel like you don't know what to do, you need direction and you can't find your way forward, you need to go back to the promises of Scripture, to the direction of Scripture. You need to go back to your prayer closet. You need to go back to the Scriptures. And then He will lead you forward. Church, we've got to go back if we want to go forward. And so, are you ready to? I, I just want to be very plain with you. The focus of the Clear Creek Church will be, for as long as God allows us to gather together here, it will be Jesus Christ and his glory. We will lean into that and trust in that and we will celebrate that and we will confess that and as we do, by God's grace, then we can lean into the future that he has prepared for us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So you ready to lean back? Let's go back to go forward.